Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Over to History. I'm Michelle. And I'm Grace. I almost said I'm Michelle then, because <laughs> I got a bit confused. And yeah, it's been actually a couple of weeks since I think we've recorded one, hasn't it? I mean, our yes. time, anyway. In so, our time, because we yeah. live outside the standard time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we live on a, the Home of History Global Met, you know, Greenwich time. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, do you, so I went first last time. Yes. So, well, do you want to go first this time? Yes. We're also doing duos yeah. this week. We haven't established that yet. Yes. And are you still doing the people that I thought you were doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because <laughs> we had this conversation a while ago, so I actually already know who you're doing. Yeah. Um, but I'm very, very excited to learn more about them. I know, they're, they're very interesting, yeah. Because I said this is a joke, but now I, they're actually quite interesting. Okay, so, I'm doing the Cheeky Girls, mm-hmm. who, for, apparently they're only really known in the in Europe. Um, right. Because I asked people in Canada when I was there, and no one had heard of them. <laughs> and I was Which just is- like, what the hell, I had to show everyone. I say, did you introduce Canada to the Cheeky Girls? Yeah. Arvin yeah, loves it. They've blown away. Mm. I knew it. See, <laughs> I knew it. Um, <laughs> Okie dokie then. So, go on. So, they're a, a Romanian-based recording act, um, and they consist of two twin sisters called Gabriella and Monica Eremia, and they were born in... Clodge, Napoca, Transylvania, Romania. Probably didn't say that mm-hmm. right. Your voice keeps getting higher and higher. <laughs> <laughs> it's not intentional. I'm just unsure. So they're the biggest. They're like they're kind of considered a one-hit wonder for this one song, but I don't see it that way because I know their other songs. Because they have. Well, you do now. <laughs> no, I did anyway when I was a kid. Oh, okay. You were a yeah. true fan. I was. Um, so they're known for the cheeky song, or in brackets, Touch My Bum. Oh, I forgot it had that title. <laughs> it's such a weird song to look back on now. Yeah, especially considering, I think, I don't know, for people kind of, I think British kids our age, you kind of went to like the mini discos and things like that. It's like <laughs> one of those songs that like you just knew the words to as a kid. <laughs> so the fact it's got, it's called that is a bit... Oh, yep. Um, so they were both born on the thirty-first of October, nineteen eighty-two, mm-hmm. and Gabriella is older by ten minutes. Oh, okay. And so their early life in Romania was, they did a lot of gymnastics, ballet, and they toured with the Hungarian National Opera. Whoa. Yep, and there isn't actually much information about their early life. Um, it just kind of skips to 2002, where they moved to the UK, and they they were on two British shows before like their song come out. So the first they were on Channel 4's Model Behaviour. Okay, I have never heard of it. Me neither. And then they're more they're mostly known for their audition on Pop Stars. The revivals. Okay. So you can find that audition, and then, I mean, this this might be like very centric to British people, but Louis Walsh, who he's 
he's like one he was one of the judges on our x factor um yes and so that Wait, was is there an x factor in other countries yeah they have american x factor don't they i i genuinely don't know i know they have like america's got talent and things like that i didn't realize the x factor was one that was one over there oh oh maybe i should go to with america's got talent kind of the same thing okay basically <laughs> um effectively yeah and he was like apparently really rude to them on it and and he was just like are you actually even girls because they were so young and stuff like that what yeah so they were 19 at the time Mm -hmm. uh, when they did that and so they actually did the audition because their mom was like i just thought of the idea of like oh you know why not do an audition and so she wrote the cheeky song the mother did, Margaret, Margit, in half an hour. <laughs> what? Whoa. I mean, you know, diamonds are made under pressure, really, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And it but... said that she came up with the idea, then she sang it to them, and then she's like, right, off you go. <laughs> oh, my God. What a weird song to write for your kids. Yeah. I mean, they were they grew up with, like, ballet and opera. And all that classical yeah. training, <laughs> and then and they they make one of the poppiest songs <laughs> ever. Literally, it's it's a song that basically when you listen to it, you just think of you know two thousand the two thousands, don't you really? Yeah. Um, and it's they're called the cheeky girls because apparently they were very cheeky all of their lives, so they used to steal things from the fridge or swap clothes, so the mom didn't know who they was, who was which. <laughs> oh. I think all twins have done that, though, to be fair. Like, every, I mean, yeah. Like, twin I've spoken to has said that, like, at some point in their life, they've swapped mm-hmm. just to confuse people. Yeah. There's, like, Fred and George. Yes, yeah. Is that is that your point of reference on twins? Yeah, but I'm not a twin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, but do you not know any twins? I don't, actually. Not very well. All right, fair enough. And so they did actually go into detail about the line from the song, um, Touch My Bum, This Is Life. And apparently it means it's about being yourself and not taking things too seriously, no matter what happens in life. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I have no words. Carry on. <laughs> so after they did the audition... They were kind of called, like, one of the worst acts ever on the show. Have um, they no taste? I know. But then, like, very swiftly afterwards, they secured a deal with uh, Telstar Records, who mm-hmm. very quickly released the Cheeky Song. And so it was released in the first week of December in 2002. Mm-hmm. And oh, it, you know, a, a Christmas song, something you'd want to, you know, have in time for the holidays. Yeah. And (laughs) it entered the charts at number two, and then it remained in the top five for five consecutive weeks. What? I know. (laughs) Oh my god, I didn't realise it did that well. No, me neither. I mean, we were like five at the time, four or five. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. I'm very proud of them. Yeah, me too. So the song didn't chart at all in Canada or the US. Which makes sense that people don't know who they are in Canada. I was going to say, did you did you look that up specifically because you didn't understand why they had never heard of it? Yes, I did. Yeah. 
And so in 2004, the song was actually voted the worst pop song ever. But the cheeky girl said that really means it's the best, which I agree. Yes, I like I like the optimism there. Who yeah. is it that said that if uh, if you're not hated by anybody, then you've done something wrong? I want to say Dolly Parton, but I don't know if that's right. Probably. It sounds like something she'd say. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they, they've, they've made it. Yeah. Um, and so very quickly after they released the song, they released two more hits, mm-hmm. which is Take Your Shoes Off and Hooray Hooray, It's a Cheeky Holiday. Which Oh, I know that one. You probably know Take Your Shoes Off if you listen to it they all kind of have like the same (laughs) like rhythm Mm -hmm. and honestly like their outfits are very kind of risque but in a very naughty sense yeah i kind of know exactly what you mean by that it's like they show quite a lot of skin but the clothing they're wearing is kind of just flat yeah 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 (laughs) yeah so their style of music, which I maybe should have mentioned earlier, is is mostly like disco pop, mm-hmm. and it's aimed at the preteen market. And they hit it. I mean, yeah, that was us. <laughs> yep. And out to be. <laughs> and most of the songs were written by their mother, mm. which you know that's she was also their manager. Oh my god. I mean, I love it. She's so supportive, you know, in the family. You know, she's really touching. It's a nice touching story. Also, kind of strange. Mm-hmm. But she did say about that song specifically, she said that it may have been a one-hit wonder, but to come up with another song of the same calibre, it's just not physically possible. <laughs> Whatever, for anybody ever again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's because people were asking her specifically to write more songs. And um, they, she was like, no, I can't. I will never be as good again. Oh, can you imagine being in an interview, being with the mother and just being like, hi, yeah, could you, you know, you, you produced some magic. Yeah, <laughs> it really touched our souls. We're asking, please, write another one. And her going, I'm sorry, that's it. All of my emotion has just been poured into that one song. There's nothing left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that must have been fun. So yeah. <laughs> they so they won an award at the National Music Awards um, in two thousand and two, mm-hmm. and then they went. They did tours in the Philippines, Thailand, Japan, and Malaysia. Okay. Yep. And then mm-hmm. there's a there's a nice story in in Japan. They organized a cheekiness competition where thousands of little girls in silver hot pants and red tops with their names on their chest were walking down oh, the street, no. um, oh. all doing the cheeky song. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say it was like who could steal most out of their parents' fridge. <laughs> um, oh, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, not mm. great for... Publicity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it does take a little bit of a turn now, actually. 
because your face implies it's not a great turn no not a great turn so actually mm. like the touring it kind of took over their lives and mm. um they were like really lonely they didn't have many friends and they they sort of lost control and became very obsessed with their appearances and they became anorexic oh, shit. and they'd be very obsessed with what they eat in the gym and stuff Mm-hmm. And then their label went bust, and it there was multiple versions that the the company owed them over a million pounds, but also owed them over two million pounds, so somewhere around that. Oh my god! Um, wow. and they because they just never paid them for it. Jesus. Uh, so they were kind of like used. Uh. And they didn't really get to the the financial benefits of it. Oh, that's so weird. Because obviously, like we know, it's like a like a almost a classic, if you know what to mean, of the noughties. Mm. And yet, the idea that they they never really got money from that is weird. Yeah, and I mean that's why we never really heard them make music again as well. Because uh, yeah, their their records went under. Like, yeah, that, and I suppose if it was, like, literally, like, damaging their lives. Then... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, the darkness behind the cheeky song. I know. And so, in around, like, 2006, they were facing bankruptcy because they were they owed so much money in unpaid taxes, but that mm-hmm. because they hadn't been paid that million, millions of pounds, they weren't yeah. able to pay it. So, they kind of just disappeared from like the media My radar yeah yeah um it was actually i don't know how true it is but i know one of them apparently lived somewhere in stoke for a while i remember you saying that yeah and i don't know which one it was but i mean that's my claim to fame <laughs> That, not even that you'd met them, but that you just lived in the same city as them. Briefly. Yeah. And my friend yeah. told me once which street it was. And, like, we drove past oh. it and she was like, it's that one. So now every time I drive past, I'm like, oh, maybe she's in. Oh <laughs> was it literally just you went on a drive and she just pointed at a random street? <laughs> she might one? have done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you come across it in any of your research that they even did, that, they, that she no. did live there? No. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells us me that it might have been a story that was made up at school. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, in September 2009, they they released the Cheeky Girls makeup range. Whoa. Which, that's a bit late, isn't it? For Yeah, it's only I seven years it. after their first song came out. Yeah. Um, which was aimed at the young teen market. And being a young teen, I know, but being a young team at that young teen at that time, I don't remember this coming out. Neither do I. But makeup brands weren't really something I was aware of at the time either. Yeah, me neither. No. Oh, and so in also in two thousand and ten, they both auditioned for Britain's Got Talent. Under the name... I think I remember that. Do you? I don't remember it. I think I remember because... Yeah, so in first year of uni, for some reason, me and my housemates used to watch a lot of, like, 
like a compilation of people auditioning like bad <laughs> auditions for shows yeah there was we had watched a lot of them um and i think that was one of them but we didn't really pay it much attention because we were mm-hmm. like oh anyway carrying on hmm. and they were they were called cheeky girls and darius yeah and that they per- the trio performed a bollywood dance Aww. They did get further in. They got further into the competition, but I'm pr- I don't think they won. I think if they'd have won, everybody like it would have been in the papers, maybe. Yeah. That's what's in the papers. <laughs> yeah. And then in 2013, they were on TV again, discussing Romanian immigration. Mhm. And. They were around this time. There were, I think there was a lot of stuff going on, so they were in some stuff about to do with like British fears of invasion and stuff like that. The yeah usual bigoted. Yeah. Yeah. And then they kind of. I I mean it was from a, an interview with their mother, who who said that she always told them that performing like this wasn't like a sustainable long-term career so Mm -hmm. she she encouraged them to do like apprenticeships and courses and stuff so Gabriella's done three cosmetic courses and Monica is in car sales that's a strange term but okay I know and that's kind of what they're doing now and then their mother was just saying about how she could never write a song as good as the Cheeky Girls again. The Cheeky song. <laughs> how weird that, like, I don't know, I wonder if you were to literally bump into them on the street, like, I don't know, Monica was to sell you a car, would you even recognise her, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Mate, I mean, probably not. Apparently they no. were at Nottingham Pride in 2010, though. Hmm. I was not, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um the cheeky girls. Very nice. Yeah, <laughs> did them justice. Well done. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> shall we go for a break? Yep. Okie dokie. And shall see you all again in a sec. Yes. Hi, I'm Heather. And I'm Rhonda. And we're two wine-loving, psych-nerd, long-distance friends who host the podcast Wine Mind, where each episode we break down a psychology topic while getting buzzed on a bottle of wine. And sometimes we make up words. Have you ever poured back a few glasses of wine and found yourself wondering, why is wine so awesome? Why is it so hard to make friends in adulthood? What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? If so, then Wine Mind is the podcast for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And check out our website at winemindpodcast.com. You can also find us on the social medias as at winemindpodcast. So uncork a bottle and join us. Cheers! Welcome back. Yes, welcome back. It's your Um, turn. It is my turn. So... I found these two lovely women in the Rejected Princesses book, which I get a lot of kind of the suggestions from. Mm-hmm. So um, these two, they, mm, 
Okay, so I'll actually start. So I'll start with one, and then I'll move on to information about the other because mm-hmm. they weren't like related or grew up together or anything like that. So the first okay. one um, was called um, Nellie Bly. So her full name is Elizabeth Jane Cochrane, I think it's pronounced, who was born mm-hmm. um, May 5th in 1864. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was an American journalist from Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. Her dad had ten kids from his first marriage and five from his second. Oh my goodness, them poor women. Yep. Nellie was from the second bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, 15 kids altogether. And I don't know whether they were all given nicknames, but she was, as a kid, she was called Pinky. Oh. Because she wore a lot of pink. <laughs> Which is a very imaginative nickname to give a child, isn't it? It's like, you yeah. wear a lot of that colour, we'll call you that colour. I saw a whole family the other day dressed in pink. It was quite odd, actually. Was it in a dream? or No, it's just driving home from work, actually. <laughs> and there's oh. all just these little kids running around in pink. It wasn't I mean... a uniform, either. <laughs> Why would you give like your kids a uniform? <laughs> I mean, it could be a family uniform. A family uniform, (laughs) like the Umbrella Academy, kind of like, yeah, we'll give them all a uniform. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. And when Nellie was uh, a teenager, she wanted to become more sophisticated. So she dropped her surname, which was Cochrane, which you can imagine, yeah, I suppose Mm -hmm. as a teenager you want to drop. Uh, And she went to boarding school, but she had to drop out of boarding school in 1870 when she was around seven years old because her dad had died and so they couldn't pay for her um what's it called tuition Tuition. anymore it's like the little princess yes (laughs) have you seen that film i haven't seen that film (laughs) but i will agree with you that yes it's exactly like it's the same author the book is from the same author as the secret garden Francis Hodgson Burnett something like that yes yes alright mm-hmm. oh, no I didn't so then she got a job at a newspaper under the pseudonym Lonely Orphan Girl uh, where she oh. would write short pieces about like keeping house oh which is a weird kind of thing to go into as a child I suppose but... was that what she was doing no she was just writing articles about it Oh, I think she like ask her mum about like different bits. And it's weird to say you're an orphan when you're not an orphan. Yeah, maybe she wasn't even lonely either. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, then later on, she wrote about uh, other aspects. So she wrote about how like divorce affected women. Mm. I don't think she was divorced either, but she was writing about it. And then she was offered a full-time job, so she had to pick a pen name because it was customary at the time, which I didn't mm-hmm. realise, but all women had to pick pen names when you were writing for newspapers, which is weird. Well, I didn't know that. Neither did I. Uh, so she picked then the name Nellie Bly, which was after an African-American character in a song uh, sung by Stephen Foster. And I was meant to look up the song, but I didn't. Hmm. Which goes to show the extent of my research. (laughs) 
she did different pieces on Mexican culture and wrote a book called Six Months in Mexico after she spent mm-hmm. six months in Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. But she was threatened because of her portrayal of the dictator um, Porfirio Diaz. So Ooh. when she, so I think she was like then not allowed to go back to the country. Mm-hmm. She also went undercover to an asylum in order to write about the brutality and neglect of women that went there. Whoa, and that's like a all lot. Of, yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that made her very famous. And she, the, so these things kind of went on to inspire like reforms and and things to change within these uh, institutions. She also Ooh. wrote pieces on um, exposing corrupt men. Uh, she trained like as a boxer. She bought a baby to expose the white slave trade, and she exposed a rapist. So that's just like bullet Whoa. points of like different things that she got up to. Oh my god. I like yeah. <laughs> yes. Now we shall move on to the other woman. So the but other I'm woman a little worried about the oh. baby though. Oh so she she it was her child. She she, she, she loved she, the baby, I think. Did she raise it? I assume so. That's nice. I there's nothing else really about the baby in this. But oh. I assume she raised the baby. Or made sure it was in a loving home at least. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> Um, so the other woman, who was also called Elizabeth, but went by Elizabeth, called Elizabeth Bisland Wetmore. So she was born February 11th in 1861, so mm-hmm. three years older. She was also an American journalist, born in Louisiana. Her family had fled during the Civil War to Louisiana when she was a teenager. And obviously because she was also writing uh, for like a newspaper, she had to pick a pen name as well. So she uh, wrote under the pen name B.L.R. Dane and Mm. she was writing poetry. So a bit different, but still kind of similar fields. So she did that in secret for years. um, And when her family found out, she actually then just up and left and moved to New Orleans uh, to work for the paper like full time, which Mm. fair enough. Good for Um, you. Yeah, and then when she was about 26, she then moved to New York to work for The Sun. Well, not our sun, well, not our <laughs> their sun. So hopefully better standard. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, uh, she really struggled to make money. Um, so she w- she like reported that she would write for 18 hours straight to keep up with the workload. Um, yeah. And basically said that other than sex, women had no power in the world. So she needed to dedicate her life to work simply just to, like, get by. Oh, it's so tragic, yeah. but true. Yeah. Yeah. Better now, though. Yes. Mm. So... A little. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then all of a sudden a writing assignment was brought to her, and it Ooh. was to beat Nellie Bly in travelling around the world quicker than Jules Verne. Had written oh his my character goodness. Phineas Foghead. <laughs> I love right? it. Right. <laughs> so um, these women didn't know one another, mm-hmm. um, but they're going to race around the world at the same time. Oh my god! Is this what that new film is about with Felicity Jones in it? No, it isn't. And oh. I didn't think it would was because I wrote I did my research a few weeks ago and then I watched that trailer and I was like, oh, are they going to make a trailer about what I've been researching? And I was like, no, this is literally not the same thing. I think um, in that though they 
the the female character was just made up as a good standing uh, point. Yeah. Mm, yeah. To you know, fit way. modern standards. Which I'm glad about. At least they're not I mean, like yeah. doing the opposite of like erasing women figures anymore, which is quite mm. nice. Yeah. Um. So Nelly packed one bag. Oh. Yeah. In a order bag. to. Yeah, and she did it specifically because she wanted to kind of get rid of the idea that women needed a lot of luggage, which, fair enough, and she hopped on a boat, only to find that she had no idea how to sail. She also threw up three times on the first night. She just found a random boat. She just, yeah. I think it was all, like, scheduled, but, like, yeah, let's say she just found a random boat (laughs) and was like, I'm hopping on that one, we'll see where it takes me. And so she sailed to France to go and meet Jules Verne oh. to basically ask him about how to do the journey because she'd assumed that, well, he'd written it, so he must know what he's doing. Did he actually he do that really journey? He didn't really know. Oh. You were. I was going to say, did he do that journey? But No, he didn't do... I don't think he actually did the journey, but he obviously wrote about it, so mm-hmm. Nellie assumed he knew, but... She literally, he literally had no idea. So she basically just went to be like, I'm going to do that. Bye. So off she went. She headed east, which is right around the world um, <laughs> from France. And she had quite a joyride while she was doing it. She stopped off to be a magician's assistant at one point. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Um, so Elizabeth, on the other hand, went the other way. So she went west. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hopped on a train to the Midwest with a guy called Cyclone Bill. Amazing. Yep. Uh, a conductor who, and he got his name because he would drive the train so close and fast through mountains that sparks would fly from the wheels. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Which, yes, very scary. A lot of people asked him to stop. But it did get them where they wanted to be in ridiculously quick time. <laughs> So, um, apparent, yep, Psycho Bill <laughs> was last heard of when he got off that train, walked into a bar, and then gone. So, that's the last he was actually heard of on record as well. Hmm. So, then uh, Elizabeth very quickly uh, made her way to the west coast to Japan and then China. Uh, and basically, she wanted to beat Bly, so she was just like refusing to see any of the sights. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did say that she did take fleeting glances at uh, Kabuki and at uh, Kabuki plays and Sikh policemen. Um, and by Christmas, she was in Singapore. Now, the thing about my research is, in nowhere did it tell me the day that they started. <laughs> so it literally just told me by Christmas she was in Singapore, but I have no idea what time frame that is on. But I'm assuming <laughs> it's well. Mm-hmm. So by this time, the newspapers loved the story. Mm-hmm. So two women who were racing around the world, um, and they actually started like predicting the times that the women actually were going to make it, and the bookies must have been must have been the best time for them really. <laughs> um, Elizabeth's sponsor, Cosmopolitan magazine, um, mm-hmm. did try and bet with Nelly's sponsor. Uh, New York World but they were refused because apparently mm. New York World are above that but Bly had no idea she had a competitor up to this point Oh wow. because they didn't really have 
I suppose, the news as easily as we do. Yeah. So, she didn't know. This should really so, be made into a film. I literally, when I, whilst I was reading <laughs> through this, I was like, I just, I want it to be a modern day comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just, I know exactly how it would go, and it'd be absolutely fantastic. Someone Let's needs to make write it. this. Yes, <laughs> on the budget that we have. Yeah, from the um, listeners of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, so, by the time that Bly uh, had reached Asia, she actually um, had a monkey with her at this point that cool. she bought, who she called um, McGinty. And nice. uh, the monkey made a lot of enemies. Oh, was he a yeah, pickpocket? As, as monkeys do. I don't know. It didn't really say. Just said the monkey made a lot of enemies, as though that's a natural thing that a monkey Ominous. will do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was like I don't know, beating him at poker or something. Um, <laughs> and she was also kind of then kind of reaching a lot of uh, troubles of her own. So mm-hmm. like boats were being delayed. She also had a stalker at this point who was threatening to throw himself overboard if he refused her. If she refused him, sorry. Oh my goodness. Yeah, um, but by Christmas she then got word of the co- uh, competition, um, and at this point she was then caught in a typhoon, which is great. Oh, whoa. Did she survive? Yeah. She did. Oh, good. Um, and the ship, because of course, who who else are you going to blame for a typhoon? You know, that naturally occurring disaster. They blame the monkey. So... <laughs> So I oh think they goodness. tried to have the monkey uh, thrown overboard as well, but she would not let them because why would you do that? Mm. Mm. So Elizabeth, by this time, was not far from France, so she'd almost made it, but then she missed her connection. Oh. So she quickly hopped on her flight, did I say? I mean, is this the 1800s? I don't... I was going to say, I don't know why I said flight. (laughs) She missed her connection. So she quickly (laughs) um, got on, I assume, a boat to London and then with the plan of getting then the next boat to France. Mm -hmm. uh, But she then found out when she was already on her way to London that her original connection to France was actually waiting for her and that she'd been fed the wrong information. Oh... That's horrible. Yep. yep. Bly now at this point thought she was going to lose um, because obviously she kind of knew where Elizabeth was. Uh, so she was back on US soil um, and found that the whole Western Rail system had been shut down uh, by the largest snow blockade in the history of the US. Oh my goodness. Such bad yeah, timing. So, yeah, literally. <laughs> it is, this is literally, you couldn't have written this stuff and people gone oh that's real it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. so she did what any rich person would do she threw money at the situation and it worked Mm -hmm. so she got the whole southern route through new uh so she got the southern route through new mexico um and uh managed to somehow convince them to drive over a barely finished bridge and that Small. part of the journey apparently cost more than her entire trip around the world combined. Amazing. <laughs> yep. On January 25th in 1890, Nellie Bly arrived back in New York City in 72 days. Whoa. Okay. So she had beaten Phineas Fogg, 
but had she beaten Elizabeth? We shall find out. So, Elizabeth was met with more issues after she'd found out that the whole fiasco with her ship had obviously been made up. She then boarded a new one that was rather slow due to mechanical problems. She then met the worst weather the Atlantic had seen in years and arrived back in New York on the 30th of January. She also had still beat Phineas Fogg, but she hadn't beaten Bly. I know. Tragic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The two of them never met. Well, that's in so their weird. entire life, yeah. I wonder um, what they thought of each other. I literally, they must have had so many kind of like, uh, what's it called? Where you like have an idea built up about this person, and mm-hmm. they definitely would have like seen pictures and things, but they mm-hmm. literally had never met. Which crazy, I know. Which I feel made me kind. Of, almost kind of cheated with the idea of a duo but I feel like they're still a duo if you know what I mean Um, so afterwards Bly having won became more and more famous her clothes became fashion trends kids were named after her Uh, she had her own board games her own songs Um, but this also did mean that she had to stop going undercover because people now knew who she was Mm. Um, and so instead she started writing fiction which she found a great deal of success in. And at mm. 31, she married a 71-year-old millionaire. Good choice. I mean, the age difference is a bit of an issue, but the yeah, money... Yeah, but it's a millionaire. Less of an issue, yeah. <laughs> she dabbled in charity work and some more journalism, and then she died uh, at the age of 57 from pneumonia. Oh. Which is really young. That's quite young, yeah. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth uh, instead moved to New York. She was kind of forgotten about, in con- you know, compared to Nellie because she'd lost. She settled into kind of intellectual circles where she then met her husband, mm-hmm. and they were together th- for thirty years. Uh, during which time she wrote books, including early feminist critiques. Oh, so, wow. so cool. you know, a really rather good life. Mm. Um, and then her father. Uh, her father her husband got ill and she nur- she then nursed him back to health and then from that then became a nurse in world war one and then oh. at 67 she then died of pneumonia as well and she was buried in the woodland cemetery in new york which is the same place that nelly bly was buried oh so they did meet kind they of did meet. <laughs> and after traveling the whole way around the world they had the final destination. This soil. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> That's really yeah. sweet. That's a, How cool is that? I like, I so wish it was like, you know, the whole thing was written into kind of a, almost an over-exaggerated fictional book, but obviously oh, yeah. it wouldn't be. Um, but yeah. And that's the duo. Um, that's really cool I did thank you I actually got really I, I really enjoyed researching this one which mm-hmm. sometimes the research I can get very like confused and find it very difficult to kind of like get everything in and yeah. some of it drags but this week it was like really really fun <laughs> to mm-hmm. do <laughs> um, and yeah so that's mm. my story Wow, oh, that's so cool thank you this was a good um, episode. It was. I feel it's been very fun. Mm-hmm. But I um, have a recommendation. 
Okay, go on then. It is your book. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Which is now available on Amazon. And I'm going to link it. Or it should already be linked on our social medias. With Thank the link to go and buy it. Yes. It's yeah, called Guilty. It's been... Guilt. Just, no, there's guilt. no why. Just guilt. Oh, just guilt. Oops. Crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's called Guilt. It's a. It's like a crime novel. Well, novella about a murderer. So, you know, all light-hearted stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm yet to read it, but I am sure it's wonderful. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I think thank I've you. read the first five pages before. Because you gave I said, me... I, yeah, the... I remember giving you some of it to read. So Yeah, and it was very but, yeah. good then. Oh, thank you. It, did, mm-hmm. it has been through an editing process since then, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And I actually also have a recommendation this week. Ooh, what is Because it? I went to go watch a musical on stage really recently. As in, like, a few days ago. Was it Madagascar? It wasn't Madagascar. But the fact you said that implies that you want to go see the Madagascar musical. I already asked you to go see it with me and you said no. (laughs) When was this? In York. Yeah, was it because I was already not in York when it was on? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, No, it was the uh, Gloria Estevan musical, On Your Feet. Ooh. Uh, so it's a like a jukebox musical uh, with all of her music about her life and it was absolutely amazing so uh, that's my recommendation that if it's anywhere near you or anything like that to please go and watch it or just listen to the mm-hmm. like the soundtrack is on Spotify so like listen because it's Ooh. fantastic and it's, it's a lot of fun as well well some of it's fun some of it's quite sad because you know she was in a car accident so well bus <laughs> accident so, but uh, other than that, quite fun. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an episode. I think that's an episode. <laughs> Thank you all, and I shall see you all next week. Yes. Goodbye. Bye.